The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Joe Welker. You are listening to episode 169 of the podcast. Today is Monday, believe it or not, December 16th. Apologies for not releasing an episode on Sunday like usual, but I was busy. The animal had a cough. He still has a cough, but he's going to power through it tonight on a Monday. Um... You know, I usually like to put these out on Sundays, so I'm not influenced by anything else that I listen to, and I'm only giving you guys my opinions. So I, I tried not to, uh, I try not to consume any MMA media today, uh, and I don't, I don't like to give you guys any any opinions that have been swayed. But in any case, here we go. Let me introduce my co-host, all the way from coughing and sneezing and the dark depths of his bedroom. In New Jersey is Jeff, the animal Wilson. Jeff, Mama Soup helped clear up that cold a little bit, kid. What's going on? A little bit, but uh, we're in bad shape, Bill, so I'm on some antibiotics. Um, the first thing the antibiotics did was give me a fever and make me puke, so I assume they're working, Bill. Um, but anyway, uh, we got some sleet coming down in Jersey. Uh, we're supposed to get hit by the snowstorm. I doubt it. I doubt it'll happen. But uh, I got two weeks coming up, a little vacation. So I'll use that to recover. And then uh, hit 2020, I'll hit the ground running. Bill, Bill, what's going on in your neck of the woods? Well, definitely no chance of a snowstorm. I got the the AC cranking right now because it's got got like humid out of nowhere. Again, it's, it's, uh, you know, halfway through December, 80 degrees florida today um you took a sick day today jeff i took a sick day too not for myself but because my daughter woke up with a fever so i can't send her to school so we hung out watched elmo all day um which did help me uh stay away from the mma content but you know that's never fun um you know she was super clingy and and grumpy last night and uh Turns out it was for a reason. So little one is sick. So that means uh, daddy takes a sick day. Uh, I don't take a sick day when I'm sick, Jeff. Got to take a sick day when the kid's sick, though. Yeah, you don't want to be that asshole parent that sends your kid to school when they're sick and then everybody else gets sick because I hate those parents because it happens to me a lot. But in any case, I promise you guys I wouldn't turn this into a uh, parenting podcast. So let's talk about some fist fights, shall we? UFC 245. The T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada, took place this past weekend. You know, we're a, we're one more day removed than usual talking about this, but uh, I, I think my old man brain can can still remember what happened. Let's start at the top with the main event, Jeff. Um, this was exactly kind of what I predicted here—a really close, really competitive fight by two of the top welterweights in the world, Kamaru Usman and Colby Covington. You know, Colby Covington has tricked a lot of the world into thinking that he can't fight because of his, you know, his little gimmick and his stick. And um, I, I just got to say, first of all, I don't 
I don't like um, the fact that people are hating on him so much. Like he lost a really close fight to a really dominant champion, a guy who beat the fuck out of Tyron Woodley. Uh, you know who who is the reigning champion for four title defenses. Um, and, and this was a really close fight. You know that one judge had Colby up three rounds to one. Another judge had Kamaru up three rounds to one. And uh, the third judge had a two rounds apiece going into that fifth round. So it was really close. Um, it, if it had gone a distance, Colby would have lost a decision, but it would have been a split decision. And, uh, you know, one judge would have given it to him. So really close fight. Uh, a, a bit of a controversial stoppage uh, just since Colby popped right back up again. Uh, what were your thoughts on the fight, Jeff? And uh, you think the stoppage was early or you think it was okay by Mark Goddard? No, I think it was a good call by Mark Goddard. You know, Covington had just taken punishment in those last uh, two or three rounds. Um, I'll be honest with you, Bill. I kind of had Covington uh, winning this one on the cards if it weren't for the stoppage. But, dude, it looked like somewhere at the end of that third round, middle of the fourth round, it looked like Kamaru Usman hit Covington with this one shot that broke his jaw, dude. Mm-hmm. Um you know, Covington, uh, such a tough guy, man. Uh, both of these guys, really. I would love to see them fight again. Um, I thought it was really, really uh, back and forth. You know, it was Covington's volume versus Kamaru Usman timing his shots and really, really hitting Covington with power punches. Um I'll be honest with you. I thought Usman needed the finish here, man. Mm-hmm. I thought Covington was just overloading him with volume. Um but really good fight from both of these guys. I would have loved to see some more wrestling, but at the same time, I think they respected each other so much that you weren't going to see that from either guy. And I think that their stand-up is really underrated. I think that their stand-up looked great from both sides on Saturday night. Uh, and just a really exciting fight, man. If you weren't excited about this one, something's wrong with you personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought... I thought both of their striking looked much improved. You know, Colby's throwing head kicks up there, um, which, which showed that he really wasn't worried about a takedown. Uh, his boxing looks really crisp, like better than we've seen it uh, at, at any time before. Uh, he wasn't fighting with the same pressure that he normally does, and I think it's because those body shots from Usman were slowing him down. You know, he was sticking that that um, that rear teep and Colby's got so seamlessly, like I almost didn't see it sometimes. Like he was yeah. just stick it in there every time Colby got close, which was a great game plan by Usman. I think Usman didn't get enough credit for his game planning here because, you know, he normally wins fights the same way Colby does by taking guys down and grinding them out. Um, but yeah, I, I thought Colby was a step ahead with the striking. Uh, same as you. He was landing that looping hook, like right behind the ear of Usman almost at will. Uh, the things that I didn't like seeing were what appeared to be f- uh, faking injuries from Usman. The first one, the low blow where it was clearly a knee to the body, um, and, and it looked like his foot like grazed maybe above the the cup area, but it definitely didn't look like a low blow to me. Now, I'm not in there. I didn't feel it, so I can't say for sure. And then the eye poke uh, it didn't seem like an eye poke, and from one angle, it looked like maybe Colby's pinky went in, but... Um, the eye his pinky went into was the opposite eye that Usman mm. was complaining about. So, I mean, that, that's not like a huge deal. It's not like Jessica I missing weight by five pounds kind of cheating. It's just you, you know calling a calling a fake injury to to get a minute to catch your breath. Um, 
you know, you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, I guess. Uh, the thing I didn't like, though, was that Mark Goddard showing a little bit of bias and, and not stopping the fight when Colby said he got poked, mm. um, it, w- which makes me question the stoppage a little bit, especially because Usman landed a couple of illegal blows when Covington was in there. Um, and, and he had his head down in between Usman's legs when he was grabbing for that double, which for most people would be a bad sign, but that's how Colby shoots on people. It's yeah. very unorthodox. He has a very unorthodox double leg. You got to keep that in mind. And um, Mark Goddard probably doesn't know that because he hates grappling. Um, but uh, yeah. So, and, and the fact that he pops right back up in Mark Goddard's face, telling me that he wasn't out, but I still think it was a good stoppage. I agree with you, Jeff, just for the fact that Colby was dropped twice, Yeah, uh, you know, before he was taking those hammer fists on the ground, if he was just dropped the one time and, um, it, you know, he was taking that damage there, I'd say, let it continue, especially since it's so close. It's a title fight. Uh, and you know how tough the guy is, but man, if you don't respect the way Colby Covington fights, um, I, I don't know. I don't know what you're doing as a fan of mixed martial arts. Uh, I mean, what else do you want from this guy? He he smashed top competition. I mean, Damian Maya, RDA, Robbie Lawler, uh, all guys who were supposed to beat him. He ran through those guys, dominated them. Uh, he went five, almost five hard rounds with the champ Kamaru Usman. Like, what more do you want to see from this guy? Um, I, I don't think there will be a rematch. Um, oh, power through a broken jaw or potentially broken jaw, which by the way, I love this corner's response when he was like, I think I broke my jaw and the corner man kind of ignored it. And then he said it again. He's like, Hey, did you hear me? I think I broke my jaw. He's like, yeah, yeah. Um, use your wrestling. <laughs> I thought that was such a great response from the corner. I, I forget the guy's name, but I know he's uh, Amanda Nunez's lead corner too, which we'll get to. Um, yeah, so I thought it was a great fight. I, I think deserving of a rematch since it was so close, but I, I know we won't see that. Um, I think the next thing should be Usman versus Masvidal and then Colby against Woodley. Uh, we know Woodley turned down the uh, the fight against Leon Edwards, which normally I, I would be against Like when you hear stuff like that, like guys don't want to take a fight, but... Like, come on, Woodley just lost his championship. You're going to make him fight like a virtual nobody uh, on their home turf in London. Um, I, I I could see why he turned that down, too. And and his response was was kind of corny, but we expect that from Woodley. He's not he's not great on the microphone. Um, but, yeah, I, I see why he turned that fight down. But there's heat between Covington and Woodley. Uh, I'm sure Woodley doesn't mind taking a little more time off, waiting for Covington's jaw to heal up. Um, you know, they're going to build a fight up. They're going to talk a lot of trash and put it on the same card as Usman and Masvidal. What do you think about that plan, Jeff? Yeah, dude, I love it. Let's go for it. And Bill, I just wanted to add something. Uh, when you were talking about the eye poke, um, that Usman may or may not have faked. Um, it was interesting because when that happened, Bill, I thought that Colby Covington might have been able to finish Kamaru Usman. Uh, in that exchange, um, he was making Usman move backward. He had just hit him with some really hard shots. And it, right when Covington was going to swarm him, that's when Usman kind of called a timeout here, saying that he got poked in the eye. And, you know, the replay did show that that he got poked in the eye a little bit. But like you said, he, kinda, he grabbed the other eye, so it was a little weird. Um, I'm not saying 
he he faked it. I'm just saying, look into it. <laughs> look into it. I like that. I'm the Eddie um, Bravo of the show, Bill. Yeah. Look into I, it. I, if we have time, I want to talk about Eddie Bravo a little later because I did watch the the most recent uh, quintet that took place on Thursday, which feels like ages ago. Um, we got a comment from our buddy Matt Temple here. Fake news. Kamaro fake newsman. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like there the you go. That's the title of the show, man. <laughs> fake newsman. Um, I I like the the corniness from from Colby. I don't mind it. Um, I, I rude and I like it, Bill. Yeah, I I mean the one time he crossed the line probably was when he was talking about Glenn Robinson, who's the the um the former owner of the Black Zillions. Jim, I don't know if you guys watching um, or listening remember the season of the Ultimate Fighter where American Top Team went against the Black Zillion, who's a, who's been a staple in MMA forever, and Glenn Robinson, who is a guy who kind of you know paid big names to put a team together. Uh, I don't like uh, you know disrespecting the dead. So I and I don't even I, I didn't even read what he had said, but just the fact that he brought him up is was in poor taste. Uh, so I can't condone that. Um, anyway, I, I want to move on for the sake of time. Before before we get into the rest of this card, I wanted to start off the show, and I almost forgot with a shout out to my buddy Steve Maraboli, uh, who came away with a gold and a bronze medal at the Good Fight tournament and is now a submission-only world champion in Brazilian jiu-jitsu at nice. the age of 44 years young. Uh, so a big shout-out to Steve. You guys may know him from the MMA and Beyond podcast. Uh, the guy trains his ass off, represents Team Henzo Gracie, much like yourself, Jeff. Um, I feel like I still represent Team Henzo Gracie uh, a little bit. Uh, I've since left there for a couple of years now uh, to move on in my jujitsu journey, but I definitely carry a lot of, uh, a lot of tricks that I learned um, from that team. So big shout out to Steve, man, 44 years old at doing a sport that he picked up in his forties. Um, nice. So only doing this for a couple of years, walking away, uh, walking away with a, uh, a gold medal in the gi and a, and a bronze medal in the no gi. So the guy hasn't even trained no gi. He's still walking away with the bronze. Nice. He's like, take that, chumps. Um, all right, so let's move on. Uh, co-main event. Um, I had kind of predicted this one. I had I had kind of seen it coming uh, based on Volkanovski's style and based on what we saw in Max Holloway's last performance against Dustin Poirier. I think he showed a couple of vulnerabilities and um, – you know, Volkanovski comes from such a great camp. I knew that they would be studying that fight. I don't think Max Holloway underestimated Volkanovski at all, but I think he seems to be a guy who, you know, things have been working well for him for so long. You know, maybe not willing to fix those little holes in his game, you know, like checking leg kicks. Uh, the, the leg kicks from Volkanovski were a big factor early on in the fight to the point where, after the second round, Holloway had to fight Southpaw, and then he was getting that leg chewed up. Um, Volkanovski was was a lot quicker. He wasn't getting pressured by Max. He was in and out of the pocket. Um, you know, the, the people I was watching the fight with, uh, I went over to my buddy Ryan's house to watch the fights. Um, a lot of people thought, like, maybe Holloway would steal a decision. Um, I thought it was a clear-cut win for Volkanovski. Obviously, crazier things have happened. Uh, you know, we saw some wonky decisions earlier in the night. 
Um, but you know, the judges got this one right and, and we got a new featherweight champ. Give me your thoughts, Jeff. Yeah, dude, I'll be honest with you, Bill. Uh, and you and I kind of agreed on this. I had this four rounds to one had it 49, 46 for Volkanovsky, but I wasn't sure if he'd done enough to mitigate a win uh, and take the belt from Holloway. You know, sometimes with these judges, they're a little wonky, man. And, you know, the, the decision doesn't always go the right way in these title fights, but uh, definitely did on Saturday. I thought Volkanovsky went in there with a really good game plan, you know, chopping down Max Holloway. You know, I'm a huge um, supporter of leg kicks. I think that the way you take down a house is from the bottom up. Um, so, you know, I was loving the leg kicks, especially in that first and halfway through the second round. You could see Holloway's leg, his lead leg was all red. It was getting chewed up, man. And Volkanovski, I thought he was patient in there. I thought he was really smart um, and, you know, moving in and out really well. The head movement was fantastic. Um, he was giving Holloway a lot of problems that, I don't even think Dustin Poirier gave uh, to Max Holloway. Um, mm -hmm. I, I thought we saw some very, very interesting stuff. Um, and I don't want to say that there are holes in Max Holloway's game, but Volkanovski definitely did his homework on the champ. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he just fought really, really well, was using the distance really well. You know, it looked like Max Holloway had a huge reach advantage um, just because he's a taller guy as well. And, you know, that did not matter to Volkanovski. I think that Max Holloway would have benefited from sticking the jab in Volkanovski's face and checking some of those leg kicks. But take nothing away from Volkanovski, man. He was in there patient. He, he His game plan all stemmed from the leg kicks. Then he was beating up the body a little bit. He got in Max's face. I thought it was a genius game plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'll tell you who it's good news for, and that's Frankie Edgar. I know he's still talking about moving down to 135, but I think uh, the Volkanovski-Edgar matchup is really favorable for, for Frankie, who's going to be taking on Korean Zombie next week. So, um, you know, if he comes away with a, uh, an impressive victory over Korean zombie in Korea. Um, you know, he may have to rethink that move to 135. Uh, you know, now that things have been mixed up at featherweight as for Holloway, that dude is so big. I would like to see him really bulk up the right way and, and move up to lightweight. I know, you know, lightweight is a, is a fucking shark tank. There, there's no denying that there's a lot of tough fights, but I think if he really does it right and puts on the right kind of muscle, you know, not just moving up for a one-off like he did against Poirier, but, you know, really does it right. I mean, he has nothing else to prove at featherweight um, except maybe a rematch with Volkanovski and, and beating him. But, you know, he's so big. He, he's he's getting a little older. It's going to be – that cut's going to be a lot harder. I'd really like to see uh, Max move up to lightweight, and I think he could be really competitive there. Um, speaking of competitive, Jermaine Durandamy – uh, much more competitive in her rematch with Amanda Nunez than she was the first time they fought, but um, that's only because they went to distance and she didn't get finished in the first round. I thought this was a dominant performance by the champ. Like, yeah, she gassed out, but she still controlled the whole rest of the fight. 10-8 um, round for her in the first, easily, I thought. Um, she came back and lost the second round. Credit to Durandamy for that. You know, she had a lot of good volume in that round. Another 10-8 for the champ in the third in my opinion. And then she kind of had to, 
you know, conserve her energy and just hold Duranemi down for the fourth and fifth. But, um, you know, Duranemi didn't do anything that would warrant a rematch, definitely, since this is the second time they fought. And, uh, you know, we got the same result. Uh, we know who the better fighter is. Uh, give me your thoughts on this one, Jeff. Yeah, dude, Amanda Nunez coming out so explosive in that first round. Um and she took uh, she took some damage too. Don't get it twisted. Uh, Durandamy threw some tough shots at her. Uh, there were some head kicks that maybe didn't wobble Nunez, but you you knew they were doing damage. And dude, Amanda Nunez using her ground game so well. I thought she was gonna finish Jermaine Durandamy in the first round actually when she cinched up that arm triangle. And Durandamy, you know, she did a good job. She did the telephone by the ear thing. That's the right defense, but. Some people have such a tight squeeze that they get it anyway. And I felt like Amanda Nunez was putting that squeeze on. Uh, you know, it looked like Duran was fading a little bit. And then Nunez kind of went back to mount just because it looked like her arms were burning out a little bit. Uh -huh. So uh, great ground control from Amanda Nunez. Um you know, she did pretty well on the stand-up, too. Uh, you know, the only thing I, I would have wanted her to stay away from was the clinch, because that the clinches where Durandamy was really doing some damage. But Amanda Nunez was so smart in turning uh, away from the cage and then using that to turn into a takedown to put Durandamy on her back. So mm -hmm. great performance from Nunez. I feel like Durandamy, you know, she had her, her spots too. But I agree with you, Bill. I don't see this one uh, being run back here, especially after they fought each other twice. Yeah. Um, and that's a weakness of, of people who are really good with that tie clinch that move over to MMA is that, you know, in Muay Thai and, and Dutch style kickboxing, nobody can attack your legs. You know, nobody can change levels. Uh, so th that's kind of unexpected for them. You know, they're used to the, the, the throws and the bumps from that clinch where, where people aren't changing their level and dropping their weight down. Um, so it's not always effective uh, in MMA. Uh, for people who are familiar with that clinch. Um, one funny moment in, in this fight, I think it was in the second round where Jermaine Duranamy uh, tried to throw up a, a lazy triangle. Not the triangle that she had that was kind of tight later on in the fight, but she throws up like a lazy high guard. And Amanda Nunez just kind of backsteps out of it, like just straight <laughs> walks out of it. And Joe Rogan goes, she's a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Like, <laughs> like, dude, somebody off the street would just walk out of that if somebody tried to throw their legs around your head. But I just I just found his reaction so funny because it was like such a lazy thing. Like her leg came up here and she's like, no. And just, <laughs> just backsteps out of it. Like just walked out of the triangle attempt, and he was he was really emphasizing that she's a black belt in jujitsu, uh, which she proved later on when she was caught in a tighter triangle. In any case, let's move on. We were talking earlier about that wonky judging. Marlon Moraes getting a split decision victory over Jose Aldo, uh, the former featherweight king. Here, uh, a lot of people, including the champ, had a. Uh, at bantamweight, Henry Cejudo thought Aldo won this one. Um, it it was a, a competitive fight, and I'll say this. So Marlon Marais clearly won the first round. Um, it, you know, he, he got tagged a little bit at the end, and he and he had to tie up Aldo, and and he hit him with that, that lateral takedown, that lateral toss, and, and just kind of laid on him for the last 15 or 10 seconds, whatever it was. But he definitely won that round. Uh, and then 
for the second and third, he was just gassed. Um, I don't think Aldo was doing a lot of damage to him. He was landing more. He was pressuring. He definitely outpointed him in the second and third. Um, but the real story of the fight was that Marlon Moraes emptied the tank in the first round, similar to what he did against champ Henry Cejudo, um, you, you know, trying to throw all those head kicks and everything. He, he still had a couple of flashy moments that maybe stood out to the judges. And here's the other thing. People are seeing all, you know, judges are people just, just like anyone else. They're not immune to what everyone's saying leading up to the fight where everybody's talking about Jose Aldo looking like a skeleton trying to weigh in. So if they have that in their head, you, you know, I'm not trying to make excuses. This was a, a terrible decision, but even before the decision was read, uh, somebody at the party I was at said, uh, you, you know, imagine if the decision goes to Marais. And I said, well, I've seen crazier things happen. And I have, I stand by that. Um, I think Aldo should have won, but I'll say it again. I've seen crazier things happen. Give me your thoughts, Jeff. Yeah, dude. Aldo got robbed here, Bill. Um, I don't know how else to say it. Morais, you know, great first round by him. Uh, came out with that switch kick and, you know, almost dropped Aldo with the first shot of the fight. Great for him. But he lost rounds two and three. It's that simple. Um, was he gassed? Yes. That's not Jose Aldo's fault. Aldo, yeah. you know, Aldo went out there. Was His output was bigger. Um you know, he was outpointing Morais, which is, you know, that's what you want to do. You, If you can't finish your opponent, you want to win the rounds. And that's what Aldo did. He won rounds two and three. Um, You know, uh, was making Morais miss. Aldo's head movement was looking good. Um, I would have liked to see more leg kicks out of Jose Aldo. Personally, you know, slow Morais down, especially, you know, we know Aldo has vicious leg kicks. You can just ask Uriah Faber. But, um, yeah, dude, overall, you know, I just I really wasn't happy with the decision on this one, uh, especially because Aldo is, um, you know, he he's not old. He's just been doing this for a long time. And I felt like he merited the win, uh, especially you know, his last couple of fights haven't gone too well. Um, and so, you know, I, I felt like Aldo needed this. It definitely would have mixed up the bandweight division a little bit if he got the win here. Um, but, Bill, what did you think of Jose Aldo at 135? Because we talked a little bit about last week, maybe him not doing this again. But, Bill, I think he kind of proved he can roll here. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean – I'm still not a fan of it just because he always had trouble making 45. Mm. Uh, he definitely didn't look healthy the weeks leading up to the fight. He's not old. He's only 33. Um, you would think he was 60 because he's been fighting forever and he's accomplished so much in this sport, but yeah, only 33 years old, but um, that's still a little late in life to, to be doing that to your body. Um, it, and, you know, especially in a sport like this where you could be taking impact to your organs and to your brain, um, I'm not a fan of, of that big of a cut for him. But he did look phenomenal in this fight. Uh, you know, he showed he recovered really well. He had better endurance than Marlon, who normally fights at this weight. It may, it may be time for Marlon to move up because he carries a lot of muscle. You know, he's a big dude for that weight class, and he's been doing it for a long time. Um, yeah, I mean, 
Because how, how long does he expect to stay at 135, realistically? You're 33 years old. Uh, um, you used to struggle and make 45. Uh, you really want to be living your life this way, like going into your mid-30s. Um, so I don't think it's a good move career-wise, but he did look great. Hey, so you can't argue with results. Um, if that's what he wants to do to himself, then you know maybe I think he'd still be competitive at 145 pounds. Um, you know, now people are starting to see what Volkanovsky is capable of. There's a little bit more tape on him. Uh, you know, somebody's going to solve that puzzle and, um, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but in any case, let's move on to some more Bantamweights. Uh, Peter Yan, Uriah Faber. I don't think Faber looked terrible in this fight, but, um, he was definitely a step behind, Peter Yan, like he just didn't have the speed. He didn't have the same reaction time. Uh, he was getting tagged up and then, uh, man, in that second round, that, that broken orbital, that big mouse on the side of his face. And, and when he got caught with that shot, he was like going over and like waving to his wife and waving to Joe Rogan. It was like, it was like the end of the wizard of Oz when Dorothy wakes up and she was like, I, I was in uh, a, dreamland with a bunch of munchkins and you were there and you were there and you were there. Um, it was kind of like that. And then, um, yeah, when, when I saw them putting that, that cold steel on that, on that mouse of his, like, which is clearly a broken, like he looked like Uriah Faber wearing a Uriah Faber mask. <laughs> like his, his face looked like the Phantom of the Opera mask. Um, but credit to him. He got back in there for the third and toughed it out. And, uh, you know, Peter Yan had to do what he had to do and head kick the fuck out of him. Um, yeah, dude, that last, uh, that third round, that head kick, it was like the scene where the monkeys pull apart the scarecrow. Bill. <laughs> like having all these Wizard of Oz references. Down. It was like this, it was more like the scene when they dropped the house on the, <laughs> on the witch, witch of the East. <laughs> um, yeah, man. I, I don't know. I mean, he came back. He looked good. I mean, he looks good physically for 40 years old. I hope I look like that when I'm 40 because uh, I didn't even look like that when I was 20. Uh, so I hope somehow I have like some kind of Benjamin Button thing going on with my fitness uh, <laughs> where I end up looking like that at 40 years old. But, man, it, it, just a step behind. If, if his goal is to get in the, in this just to get that UFC gold, uh, that eluded him for much of his career. I mean, in my book, he's still a UFC champion because he was the champion of WEC, which was acquired by the UFC. Um, uh, you know, it's the same thing. That weight class didn't exist in the UFC back then. So, you know, he was the top of all the best fighters in that division at one point. Um, but, man, it's just not in the cards, Uriah. I mean, you're a smart dude. You got a lot of businesses going on. You run a successful gym. Um, you know, maybe it's time to sit down, but, uh, you know, who am I to, to tell him what to do? I mean, he could get in there. He could still compete. He could still beat probably, you know, 85% of the guys in the division. Um, I think uh, the uh, the fight with Cejudo probably would have been more competitive than this one. You know, Peter Jan's uh, up and coming. He's getting better every time. Uh, in any case, any other thoughts on this one, Jeff? 
No, uh, I thought Peter Jan, you know, he went in there and like you said, man, he was just uh, one step ahead, a little bit faster, um, you know, and, and Uriah Faber, you know, he's a legend, but, you know, time might be catching up to him. Yeah, man. Uh, speaking of things catching up to you, Mike Perry, four months removed from one of the worst broken noses we've ever seen. Uh, he got his face completely smashed in. Uh, by Vicente Luque. Yep. Um, with a nasty knee, his his nose was just completely smushed. Um, plastic reconstructive surgery. Four months later, he's in there with Jeff Neal. Right before this fight started, I said Jeff Neal is a very technical, very stiff, very rigid fighter who throws straight punches right down the pipe, and that's kryptonite for Mike Perry. Uh. I was I pretty much hit the nail on the head just mixing a few head kicks. Uh, Perry did not look like the same fighter in there. It was too soon for him to come back after an entry like that. Um, I, I could see like wanting to jump right back into it just because you know he's just that kind of guy. He needs to be fighting all the time, but you got to get some more sparring rounds. You got to get used to getting hit in that nose a little bit. Uh, before you get in there and do it on the biggest stage. Um, I think that definitely played a factor in him getting dropped as early as he did. I mean, nobody's knocked out Mike Perry in a minute and 30 seconds. That's just unheard of. Uh, Jeff Neal is a fucking stud. Can't take anything away from him. I think his style is definitely a bad matchup for Mike Perry, You know, even if they fought before the nose injury. But I, I think it definitely played a factor. And But he, he looked phenomenal in this fight. Uh, he, he looked pretty indestructible. Um, and, and I think there's a bright future for Jeff Neal in this welterweight division. Give me your thoughts, Jeff. Yeah, dude, I think Jeff Neal's going to really tear it up in this welterweight division. Uh, still hasn't lost in the UFC yet, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but, Bill, you got to be worried for Mike Perry here, man. Uh, like you said, uh Probably not completely recovered from that broken nose he suffered against Vicente Luque. Um, probably shouldn't have taken this fight. But, Bill, right now he's got three three losses in his last five outings. I mean, mm -hmm. what do you do here? Uh, yeah, and I think it goes a little deeper than that. I think he's lost five of his last seven. Um I'll have to pull that up, but yeah, not looking good. I mean, he's a fan favorite. Oh, absolutely. Uh, he, he, uh, he, he's definitely got a following. If you're the UFC, you don't want to let that guy go because he's going to go somewhere else and he's going to be smashing dudes in Bellator or something. Um, and, and he's going to be a big draw for them. Uh, so it's a tough call, but you know, the guy's been on main cards for so long, you know, fought Cowboy Cerrone in a main event, I think. Um, you, how much can you scale him back? You know, you got to let him go in there and knock some poor guy's head off. But, uh, you know, you don't want to make it too obvious either because he's been in there with top competition. Um, you know, he he's had a lot going on. You know, he switched up camps twice. He left his camp in Orlando, went out to Greg Jackson's for a couple of fights, didn't really vibe with that group. Um you know, got back together with his girlfriend who became his wife, moved back to Orlando. Uh, now he's back with Julian Williams, uh, which is the right fit for him. I think, you know, those guys are really making smart moves with him. I think maybe if he had stuck with them the whole time, uh, we, we might be having a different conversation right now. Um, but yeah, 
I don't think the UFC cuts him just because he's such a commodity, but um, he, he's got to be careful. And he definitely has a style. If you look at the guys who've beaten him, you know, Max Griffin, uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio, they, they all have one thing in common. They all throw those straight punches right down the pipe, and they're not. And if they get into a brawl, they know he's going to be swinging wild. Uh, they, they're going to be putting him right in his face. And, and that's what happened. But Jeff Neal, man, you know, he, he's had a head kick knockout in the UFC, 5-0 and in the UFC, 6-0 if you count the contender series. Uh, this guy's a problem uh, in this division. And, and he's he's doing it quietly. And and he's he's knocked out two wild men in a row in Mike Perry and Nico Price. Um, they even brawled with Nico a little bit. Uh, uh, before he knocked him out. So um, I, I would like to see him tested into grappling a little bit more. I know we saw that a little bit in his fight with Bilal Muhammad, but I think once we see that, especially because of how how grappling heavy the top of this division is, you know, you got Usman and Covington and Damian Maya still, um, you know, really grappling heavy at the top of the division. Tyron Woodley, um you know, I would like to see him tested uh, against some of these guys against a high-level wrestler. But yeah, Jeff Neal, he's he's going to be a contender. We're going to be talking about real soon. Uh, all right, Irene Aldana with a really impressive knockout over Ketlin Vieira. Uh, she hit her with a hook that came from fucking Jupiter, man. <laughs> and this <laughs> this was a uh, uh, a really impressive one for Aldana. Um, you know, looking good on a, on a big pay-per-view, you know, wasn't on the main card, but a, lo a lot of eyes on this on, on ESPN. Uh, any thoughts on that one, Jeff? Yeah, she looked really good. She was, um, Catlin Vieira's a big girl, man. Um, and Irene Aldana just hit her right in that sleeper spot, right where, where the, where the jaw meets the lower jaw. Dude, uh, really good fight up until that point, too. Um, you know, very technical from both sides. But Aldana, man, just landed such a tight hook. Um, and then uh, one more right hand just to finish the job. Really good fight. That that one was really enjoyable. Yeah, man. Um, for the sake of time, I'm going to run down the rest of the card. And uh, you tell me what impressed you the most. It could be one. It could be more. Um Omariak Medov and Ian Heinish in a really competitive fight. Akhmedov getting a unanimous decision there. Um, a lot of really good wrestling scrambles in this fight. Uh, I, I like that one a lot. Matt Brown with a comeback win over Ben Saunders, you know, almost got submitted, I think, in the first round and comes back to, to knock Ben Saunders out. Um, like I said last week, this might be a loser leaves town kind of deal. Might be a winner leaves town kind of deal, too. Uh, but Matt Brown you know, feels like his conditioning was good enough to, to give it another run. Um, Chase Hooper, the young man, 20 years old, uh, with the TK over Daniel Tamer. It, it wasn't pretty, man. He had to take a lot of damage to get this one done. Uh, survived a really nasty Darce choke from Daniel Tamer too. Um, but, you know, wound up getting a couple of submission attempts. He sunk in a really deep rear naked choke. Tamer escaped. Uh, and then he was able to mount him and, and uh, get the TKO, bust his face open. Tamer's a really experienced guy. Uh, Chase Hooper, 20 years old, said he wanted to go get M&Ms after his big win on a UFC pay-per-view. Uh, so good for him. 20 years old in Las Vegas. He wants to go get M&Ms. He could probably go get uh, anything else he wanted, drugs, hookers, 
um, you know, you name it. Um, but he wanted M&M's, so good for him. Uh, Brandon Moreno and Kai Kara, France. I thought this should have been the fight of the night. These guys fucking slugged it out for 15 minutes. Um, it was exhausting just watching it. Uh, Jessica, I gets a win, but she missed weight by five pounds. And I'm disgusted by that, especially because she's someone who has been so outspoken over some, over people missing weight in the past, you know, criticizing Sajari Eubanks and other people like that. Um, it, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. And uh, Punaheli Soriano with the knockout in the first round over Oscar Pechota. Uh, so give it to me, Jeff. What's sticking out the most to you? And then we got a fan question for you, too. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I got to give it to Matt Brown versus Ben Saunders here. Such a good fight. Super competitive um, from both of these guys. You know, I, it looked like Ben Saunders had it in the first round with that arm tri with that uh, triangle from the bottom. And Ben Saunders, he's got such a dangerous guard game, dude. And me personally, uh, the guys who give me the most trouble are the guys who can fight off their backs from the bottom. And that was definitely Ben Saunders. Uh, good for Matt Brown um, that he got that finish. Uh, it, it looked like he needed it because he was definitely down on the cards. Uh, super competitive, super back and forth. So uh, for me, that's the one you got to go back and watch. Yeah, man, that was a good throwback. Um, yeah, you guys with good guards might give you problems, Jeff, but you're not immortal. Like Matt Brown. That's true. Um, fan question for you from Mr. Jeff, who's who's appeared on the show in the past. Question for the animal. What if we are the ones who are fake and wrestling is real? Uh, I'll be honest with you. I, I still, you know, there are parts of pro wrestling that are real. Um <laughs> because uh, uh I, I was actually watching pro wrestling last night. Uh, the TLC event, and I gotta be honest with you, I uh, I I still watch it for the athleticism. I think that these guys put themselves in real danger. And uh, as for the fake fans, you know, stop asking to come over every weekend. You know, how about you order the fights and I'll go to your house? How's that? <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I mean, I I saw that documentary. Um, behind the mat was it called? beyond the mat something like that it came out like 10 years ago or so and they followed up with these guys that were retired from pro wrestling and um the, the one guy uh i think his name was buff bagwell takes takes like a hundred painkillers a day and the guy interviewing him was like why do you take a hundred painkillers a day and he says to the guy have you ever broken your neck and the guy was like no i haven't actually he's like well, then you, you have no idea why I have to take 100 painkillers a day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but these guys have it tough, especially back in the day uh, when when Vince McMahon wouldn't give any, like, health insurance. You know, before <laughs> before it wasn't the law to have health, ins health insurance, yeah. too. Um, yeah, these guys, uh, you know, the injuries are real. These guys are fucked for life. A lot of them, especially all the drugs and steroids and partying on the road and stuff. Oh yeah. Right. That's why, that's why they still charge you 10 bucks for an autograph, even though they're 65. Yeah, man. Well, it's, that's the only income. That's how they resurrected Jake the snake. <laughs> yeah, man. So um, Bill, what do we got next week? Yeah. Let's uh, speaking of being on the road, UFC is going to be in South Korea. 
in Busan. And uh, this is supposed to be Brian Ortega against the Korean Zombie, but Ortega tore his ACL. So he pulled out of that fight. And Frankie Edgar put off his drop down to 135 pounds and stepped up and said, I want to fight Korean Zombie. So he must see something in the Korean Zombie that he thinks, uh, you know, he can beat him. And that would be a high profile win for him. Stepping into a main event on last minute because he's Frankie Edgar and he's the fucking man. And, uh, that's it. So that's what we got. Give me your thoughts, Jeff. Bill, I think Frank Edgar's out of his mind taking this fight. Um, it's super dangerous. Um, you know, he's got to acclimate to the fact that, you know, Korea is like 47 hours ahead of us or whatever it is. Um, I think it's years, actually. Yeah, yeah, it might be. Um, dude, I think this is a really dangerous fight for Frank Edgar to take, man. Um, you know, Korean zombies, no walk in the park. He's not somebody that anybody wants to take on short notice, but he's Frankie Edgar. You know, he, this is what he does this is why the UFC adores him. This is why I adore him. Um, but I think it's a really dangerous fight for him to be taken, man. Um, you know, the card starts at 5 a.m. The main card starts at 5 a.m. Prelims start at 2 a.m., Bill. So you got two options. You can either wake up early or not go to sleep. Yeah. I think well, it's easier to just not go to sleep for this one. If my kid has a fever, I'll, I'll be woken up early. Um, but, yeah, that's that's tough. Um, I, I agree with you. I think it's um, – I think it's a bad fight to take on short notice, but man, you gotta love Frankie Edgar um, because that's just the kind of dude he is. You know, he gets the call and he's just not going to say no. Um, it, you know, I know I was just siding with Tyron Woodley for declining the fight in London with Leon Edwards, but that's because Edwards is like, no, nobody besides like the people who listen to this show know who, <laughs> Leon Edwards is. Bill, um, half the people who host this show don't even know who Leon Edwards is. <laughs> so, I don't know who he is. So He's the guy that got the three-piece of the soda from Jorge Masvidal. That, that's the only thing I know about him. Yeah, that's probably all he'll ever be known for. In any case, um, yeah, there's that. We got an awesome co-main event for this, too. Uh, really flying under the radar. Vulcan Ozdemir and Alexander Rakich. Uh, Rakich, of course, coming off of that nasty uh, head kick knockout of Jimmy Manoa, where I think he knocked him into retirement. Um, just so devastating, so nasty. This guy is so powerful. Um, but Ozdemir has that that weird knockout power, too, where he can knock you out moving backwards. He can knock you out in a clinch. Um, so somebody's probably going to sleep in this one. I don't see it. either of these guys wanting to take it to the ground. They're both looking to take each other's head off. Rakich fights with a lot of forward pressure and Ozemir knocks people out who fight with a lot of forward pressure. So um, this is my sleeper pick of the card. <clears throat> so maybe this one will be on around like 6.30 a.m. So that's at least reasonable for people in our, t in our uh, Eastern Standard Time Zone to uh, – to pick up and then uh we got duho Choi, the korean superboy against uh charles jordan and then uh i i'm kind of lost after that jeff uh we got alexander pantoja against matt snell on here and uh saeed nurmagomedov is is down there on the prelims 
But other than that, I'm lost with this one, Jeff. I don't recognize a lot of these names. Uh, so tell me what you're most excited for. I'll be honest with you. Uh, besides the main event, I'm really looking forward to watching Duho Choi. Um, the dude's a stud in there, and I haven't seen him fight in a while, so I'm really excited to see what he's been working on, what he's added to his game. We know he can stand up with just about anybody in this featherweight division, so I'm really excited to see how he does in this outing. But other than that, Bill, I don't know too many of these guys, um, but I'm excited to find out more about them. Uh, you know, let's see what they got. Yeah, man. I mean, sometimes those are the most exciting cards where you don't know a lot of people, uh, going into it. And then, uh, you know, th sometimes those are the hungriest people. Like they want you to know their names. So they want to go out there and make a statement. So that's why it makes it worth it to check out these cards, uh, you know, where you don't have a lot of star power. Um, oh, Cyril, Cyril gone is fighting on this card too. The the uh well, where'd he go? What do you mean where'd he go? Oh, I get I get what he did there. He said he was gone, so where'd he go? Yeah. Uh I feel like an ass for stepping into that one, but thank you. Well played, Jeff. Well played. Um he's the one who he, he made his he that wasn't his UFC debut, but he fought in the UFC in October. Uh, against Dante Mays and was outstriking him the entire fight and then finished the fight with a heel hook out of nowhere with like 14 seconds left. Oh, um, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. So he's that heavyweight dude. So he's another one to keep an eye on. I think it's Gain, Cyril Gain, Cyril Gone. It's G-A-N-E. For some reason, I think it's Gone. Uh, he's French, I believe. Uh, yes, from Paris, France. Um and in any case, he's fighting Tanner Bozer. Uh, so that that's another one to uh, to keep an eye on. And then uh, a lot of Korean fighters on here. And the, the Koreans are, are tough as nails. So fun card. Fun card. If you got nothing to do, if you're up all night on a Coke binge or something, you know, check this out. Let me know how it is. Uh, <laughs> Why would the fans only be up for that reason, Bill? <laughs> Uh, Jeff, have you heard some of the people who, <laughs> who respond to our shows? Like I get, I get tweets in the middle of the night and these people have to be coked up and stuff. Like I get up in the morning and check my messages and my DMS and stuff. It's like, what the fuck are you people doing at three o'clock in the morning? You must be doing cocaine and listening to MMA on the rocks. Don't do cocaine kids. It's bad for you. It'll, it'll destroy your sinuses. Well, Bill, some people don't like to do it. They just like how it smells. <laughs> yeah, I don't like to get high from it. I just like how it smells. Um, well, you know, get a cocaine-scented candle. What can I tell you? <laughs> they should make that. Yeah, Bill, uh, I just looked up Cyril Gone real quick. Yeah, this guy, he's hes definitely someone to keep an eye on. hes He doesn't look like a heavyweight at all, doesn't move like one. But, um, yeah. The the heel hook thing reminded me of who he was. Yeah, tough dude, very tough dude. On uh the the day before on December twentieth, we got a Bellator card two thirty five, and the only reason I bring it up is because Josh Barnett is making his Bellator debut against Hani Marks. Um, but outside of that, there's actually nobody on this card. 
you got guys on here. Uh, let me read the the records. Uh, four and zero, zero and zero, four and zero, six and zero, five and one, one and zero, zero and one, five and one, five and two, five and three, eight and three, five and one, ten and six, nineteen and six. Josh Barnett has more MMA experience than the whole rest of the cards combined. (laughs) What is the the point of this card? Uh, It's in Hawaii, um, and and they don't even have a Lima Lay fighting on it. Josh Barnett is the main event. I love Josh Barnett. He's one of my favorite fighters of all time. Um, At... And it's not just because I met him in an airport in Tokyo uh, buying whiskey. And we we talked whiskey for a little bit. Uh, I don't know if I ever told that story on the air, but there it is. Met Josh Barnett in the Tokyo airport, and we were both buying Japanese whiskey at the duty-free to take back with us. Um, He was a really cool guy. He's like a foot taller than me, which, uh, you know, isn't saying much, but he's a big dude. Yeah. yeah, so that's that. Uh, I'll talk real quick about the uh, quintet. So for those of you who don't know, this was uh, this was something. This was a rule set that was started by uh, Sakuraba, who is a legend of MMA. If you guys don't know who Sakuraba is, he's the Gracie Hunter. Uh, he's known for submitting and beating many Gracies back in Pride. Um, he's a fucking superstar in Japan phenomenal MMA fighter, total legend of the sport. And, um, he's a competitor and he wanted to keep competing. So he came up with this idea for team grappling. So what it is, is you put up a team of five people and they all have to be under a total combined weight. So I think there's different rules depending where you are, if you're in Japan or wherever. So let's say it's 850 pounds. You have to pick five guys who are under 850 pounds and then there are three other teams, and they all have to have the same guidelines. And then you could pick your lineup however you want. You know, you could have uh, your best grappler go first and try and submit everybody, or you could have your best grappler go last or in the middle. So uh, your first guy will go against the other team's first guy, and they will grapple. If there's no submission and it goes the whole uh, seven, eight minutes, whatever it is, then both guys have to sit down. They're eliminated. Then it goes to the number two from each team. Uh, if my guy, say you and I both have a team, Jeff, if my guy submits your guy, my guy stays in and he will grapple your number three guy. If he submits your number three guy, my guy stays in and he will grapple your number four guy. Then if they go the full time distance, uh, they're both eliminated uh, until you know, if we, if it goes down to both teams, number five, and it goes the full distance, then they go to a judge's decision. That's the only time you'll see a decision. Uh, so what they did with this most recent quintet, which is on UFC fight pass, believe you can go watch it. They did, uh, they had a team UFC, a team pride, a team WEC and a team strike force. So the UFC and then three organizations that, were all acquired by the UFC at some point in time, but all had you know their own level of popularity at some point. So the UFC team had uh, Sean O'Malley, uh, Gilbert Burns. Uh, who else is on there? Rumble Johnson. Uh, 
I forget who else. Uh, well, Rumble Johnson probably accounted for 300 of that team's pound. I see. He looks like he's leaning out a little bit. You, you know, I'll tell you who was the biggest on team uh, team WEC it was Mark Munoz. He looks like he looks like he ate Mark Munoz. <laughs> he was he was humongous. Like here's a guy who used to fight at 185 pounds in the UFC. He looked easily like 290. Like a hundred pounds above where he used to compete in the UFC. Uh so yeah, team WEC, Mark Munoz is on there, Cub Swanson. Uh I forget who else they had. Oh, James Krause. The uh, James Krause. James Krause. Uh and then Team Strike Force, which was the team I thought was gonna win. They had Jake Shields, they had Babalu, um they had they had a bunch of good grapplers. Chad Mendes on, on there. WC. What's that? Was Gilbert Melendez on any of the teams? Yes, he was on the uh, the WBC team. No, Strike Force, Strike Force team. Anyway, it was pretty cool. Uh, it wasn't like super high level grappling, but uh, the strategy of it was interesting because you, you know you had guys who were straight wrestlers. Oh, Matt just reminded me Clay Guida and Anthony Smith were on the uh, UFC team. Uh, you had guys who were straight wrestlers who didn't have um, who didn't have a lot of submission skills. So you would have to put them in your lineup strategically so that they could have a double disqualification with somebody else. Like at one point they had Anthony Smith from the UFC team go against uh, one of the Gracies. Um I forget which Gracie it was, but he just stalled him out. Mm. And so then he's he's out. So then he can't go submitting everybody because he he's timed out. Um, that's cool. That's like that's like doing baseball lineups. Yeah, that's a yeah. thinking man's game. That's cool. Mm-hmm. So it it came down to uh, to to Gilbert Burns, uh, who is like one of the best competitors in combat sports right now. This guy is doing everything like he's killing it in the UFC. I think he's one of the most underrated UFC fighters right now. Uh, he'll go and grapple anybody. He'll go and do, uh, you know, Abu Dhabi or, or whatever. He doesn't care. He just loves to compete. Um, it came down to a, a judge's decision between him and Jake Shields. And I won't spoil it for you guys. If you haven't seen it uh, and you want to go and, uh, and check it out on fight pass, but yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, it came on really late on Thursday and I was like, I, I didn't make it through the whole thing. Cause it was going like past midnight, uh, which I can't do on a work night anymore. Uh, I'm just uh, too old for that shit, Jeff. Uh, in any case, I think we covered it all. Um, I know you haven't been drinking anything lately cause you've been sick for like three weeks now. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. I'm going to get you some health coverage, kid. Yeah, uh, it, it's like a viral infection in my lungs or something, so I'm on antibiotics. Um, but it sucks. I, I just miss. Nah, I just miss being able to train. Yeah, some bourbon probably cure that shit right up. Yeah, probably knock it right out of your lungs. Yeah. But Bill, that whole quintet thing, um, I've seen something like that before. I think it was Team Polaris versus Team uh, versus Team Tenth uh, Planet. 
Yeah. And it just looked it just looked really cool, dude. Um like you like I was saying, you know, the lineup strategy seems really cool. Um and you know, if if you get one guy on your team and he eliminates all five guys on the other team, that counts too, you know? Yeah. I I mean if it but then it depends like if it's the first round because then if that's your best guy, he's going to be exhausted cuz he just grappled five times, then you got to put him in the second round. You know, so you got to think about that too. Yeah. And then if that's your best guy and he loses when yeah. he goes first, then like you're fucked because yeah, you know, yeah. Um. But yeah, it was kind of interesting. Um, because in the past, it, it it's always kind of been like that where you have guys who are like wrestlers or they do other kinds of grappling. Uh, so you have them mixed in there. They're not really going to submit anybody, but they're good at avoiding submissions from from the from the really good uh jiu-jitsu guys uh so it, it definitely was was an interesting dynamic um it, and it was cool how they did like the teams from the the different organizations yeah um, so that that was fun um it, it was pretty cool it was it was worth a watch uh, i i found myself more interested in it than you know watching a normal uh, grappling tournament because those things get kind of boring even if it's like ebi rules or stuff like that i just can't like i love jujitsu i love doing jujitsu but watching it is like eh. it's like a, any other sport for me like i'd rather be doing it than watching it yeah with jujitsu it's got it's got to be the right people fighting each other for me to watch otherwise i'm not gonna get up out of bed for it yeah, especially a lot, a lot of these high-level jiu-jitsu guys like pulling guard and stuff, and I'm like, I'm immediately checked out mentally. Yeah, <laughs> dude. You want to fight somebody on the ground, you don't even want to take the effort to, to put them there? Um, I'm done. Thanks. Changing the channel. Yeah, I'm more of a half-guard player myself. <laughs> I, uh, I'm not a fan of pulling full guard. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird. All right. Too many X-Factors. Yeah. Like X guard. That's an X factor. <laughs> All right. That's enough, Jeff. We're getting off the rails here. We we we've gone over an hour, which is like, you know, that's the no go zone for us. I like to keep this thing in like forty five minutes, but you know, we're a day late, so you know, maybe we're a little step behind. We're like Uriah Faber against Peter Yan today. Uh, <laughs> but, but we're walking out of this with our faces intact. So let's call it there. Uh, we want to know what you guys are thinking and drinking out there. So get a hold of us on social media. If you guys want to get a hold of the animal? It's at animal underscore Wilson, Twitter and Instagram. Don't forget to give the animal a follow on Instagram. And you guys know how to get a hold of me. It's at MMA on the rocks, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, visit MMA on the rocks.com. Send me an email, MMA on the rocks, gmail.com. Uh, uh, very accessible despite my uh, imminent fame. Uh, <laughs> in any case, thanks for tuning in. Wherever you're listening, please leave us a review. Give us a thumbs up on YouTube. Give us a share. Uh, and that's it. And leave us a review. Yeah, do that too. All right, until next time. Cheers, everybody. Bye.